Welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name may or may not be Todd Ixenbaugh. And today we are going to be learning about communication from Stuart Hall, who is an incredible communicator. But before we talk about Stuart and how he's going to help us learn how to be better communicators, we want to tell you about our sponsor for the podcast today. Together Conference. Together Conference is something that's happening in Akron, Ohio. Uh, a group of people from up there in Akron, we're, in, we're located in Canton, they're up there in Akron, so a little, little bit up the highway. They are putting on a conference, and it is to begin to have a conversation about what gospel saturation and what racial reconciliation within our communities can actually look like in tangible ways. And so th- you may be thinking, well, that doesn't apply to me because I live in Omaha. And that's actually not accurate. Shout out Peyton Manning. That's actually not accurate because you actually can apply a lot of the things they're going to be talking about in your own communities, in your own neighborhoods. And so Citizens Akron is the church in Akron, Ohio that will be putting this on. And they have a lot of strategies about how they're going to begin to have conversations and and, and start conversations and talk with people and begin to show people different perspectives and different things that they may not have thought of before. Uh, They have a great lineup of people who are going to be speaking at this conference. Shout out Prop. Propaganda is going to be there. Propaganda is... You need to be listening to Prop's new album. Check out... Just saying. Check out his new album and check out the podcast that he does with his wife, Alma. Red Couch. Shout out Red Couch Podcast. Love it. If Um, you want to continue... If you want to continue to really learn about racial reconciliation, shout out Red Couch Podcast. Check it out. Just saying. Phenomenal stuff. Uh, They're doing great things. So Taylor Gray is another person. He'll be there. Love Taylor Gray. Taylor Gray is actually... He's from Columbus. Uh, I actually didn't know that until recently. Um, he's a pastor in, in Columbus, but he's also uh, a hip-hop artist. Love him. Uh, been listening to his album recently. Great stuff. And so not only, so, so the conference, it's a conference during the day, and then it's a concert at night. And so uh, Taylor Gray and Propaganda are going to be performing at night, but they're also going to be doing sessions and some stuff during the conference. And so that's going to be a phenomenal time to be able to check that out if you would like to buy tickets to actually go to this thing, you can do that by going either into our show notes or you can also find the link in our social media stuff. Or you can go to citizensacron.com. That too. Just saying. But you have options. Go buy tickets right now. Whatever way you go, buy tickets to the conference. You won't regret it. You'll learn a lot and your view will be expanded a ton and the best way possible love it but today we are talking with Stuart Hall and as we mentioned earlier Hall Stuart is an incredible communicator and we're so excited to be learning from him today so we're going to be joining our conversation with Stuart right now well welcome to the podcast Stuart we're so excited to have you on the learner's corner today I cannot tell you how excited I am thanks for having me well, we want to talk with communication with Stuart. He's an excellent communicator. And so, you know, just as we get started out, you know, what's your goal when you're communicating to someone, Stuart? Uh, I would think there are a couple of things that I think about a lot. 
when I stand up on stage in front of people, the first being, uh, and this is going to sound like such a hyper-spiritual answer, but I certainly want to make much of Jesus. At the same time, I think the way God has wired me, and I've had to get used to this, is that I have a, I, there's a part of me that's, um, I, I kind of classic, like I push at things that are normally held beliefs, especially with teenagers. I kind of want to shake them out of that a little bit. Uh, my The greatest mentor I've had in communication is my pastor, Andy Stanley. And the thing that he always pressed into me was when you speak, make it as clear as mud, make it memorable, understandable, and doable. And that has stuck with me. And then I remember hearing Jim Valvano speak before he died of cancer. And he talked about a full day is when you can laugh, when you can think, and when you can be moved to emotion. And so I've tried to kind of incorporate that as well into when I speak. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is to just be myself. That, that, especially when I just started out, was the most difficult thing, is just be yourself. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. Mm-hmm. Can you can you just give us an example of, like, one of the things that you'll typically try to, like, a belief that you might try to throw students off, like you were talking about? Uh, I, I, one, one of the best illustrations is the idea of how we measure spiritual growth or spiritual health. Uh, and I have, for example, I love to give students a test and I'll throw these. I think I got this idea from Duffy Robbins, um, this idea of the six characteristics of a real life disciple. And I'll have students, whether it's a room of, you know, thousands or a few, get them in circles or get them talking to each other. And you number them. And the number of importance, one being most important, six being the least. And what's funny is to watch them kind of, you know, quibble and quarrel about which which one is the most important. And then I'll have them, you know, somebody say, well, I think this is whatever. Well, the funny thing is they fight about those six things, but those six things aren't really real life characteristics of disciples. They're taken from the real life characteristics of the Pharisees in the Gospels. And it, it, it kind of kind of sets them back because that's how we've always measured spiritual success. And now it allows me to talk about what Jesus, how he defined spiritual health, how he defines spiritual maturity, because he defines it, you know, what we think is this, this way, Jesus defines it this way. For those of you that are in podcast world, I'm going up and down with my hands and vertically. I just forgot that we're audible. Sorry. He's, he's pointing. Okay. He's pointing. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. We'll have Caleb, no, we'll have okay. Caleb draw it in the show notes. Yeah, vertical. You know, we think of it as the vertical <laughs> idea between us and God, mm-hmm. and Jesus defined it as horizontal between us and people. Mm-hmm. So walk us through, you know, kind of like your message prep from like beginning to end of communication. You know, whether it's you get an idea from someone or you come up with an idea of yourself or a message all the way through like your end process. Yeah, that's a such a great question. Uh, I would say from the get go, there's a there's an old adage in marriage counseling that uh, foreplay begins at breakfast. So let's talk about that. No, um, uh, I would be down for that. Caleb yeah, Brown's the, on that. But but here's here's the idea there that that I think message prep 
really starts long before you ever realize that you're going to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, have a, I always have a notebook with me. I use my iPhone. If I hear something that I think is an intriguing idea, if I see something, so I'm constantly making notes. Then I think another important thing for young and old communicators to consider is, especially if you've been invited to speak somewhere, it's not your rodeo. It's an, I, have, I have been asked by student pastors or event hosts to come and communicate to their students. And so the first and most important question that I can ask is what's your theme? What's your, you know, what, what are we trying to build out? What do, we, what do you want communicated to your students or adults? Because you know your audience 10 billion times better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that lays the groundwork for me from the get-go. And the other thing, too, is how many times am I speaking? Uh, and we can talk about this in just a second. But that's important because I think part of our issue in communicating, period, but especially to students, is sometimes one talk is really about four talks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 then we want, and then we wonder why students don't remember, understand, and can't and can't apply what we talked about. Once I get that information, uh, you know, so that, that whole idea is I'm there to serve. I'm not there to speak. I ask myself, I I really try to discipline myself to to ask myself these three questions. What's the, what is the universal tension that kind of brings us all into this experience Mm-hmm. How does how does the text address this or contribute to the tension or solve the tension? And then I think this is so important. What do, what do you do about it? I mean, uh, communicating isn't helpful if there's not anything for you to do. I think there's a reason why James said, don't just be a hearer of the word, do what it says. And a lot of times, if we're not careful... Because we want to sound incredibly, you know, theologically sound or brilliant. We just <laughs> want to sound cool. Or confused. And they, they don't know what to do. So those three things are really, really important. Once I get to that point, I like to, I, I've worked myself to the place where I like to start at the end. Mm-hmm. So I want to start, once I can identify what is the tension, how does the text address it, and what is it that, we want students or adults or leaders or whomever I'm speaking to, to do, I want to start at the, I want to start where I'm going to land the plane and work my way back as opposed to starting at the beginning, because the most important thing for me is what does a teenager or what does an adult do with this when they walk out of the room? Mm -hmm. That, that is such a huge thing. Uh, Another thing that Andy really, really, bangs the drum about that has been helpful for me is I want to bring the most energy to the text. That's such a huge thing. I think especially a lot of young communicators, they get a great idea about a story or an illustration and all of their energy is focused on this personal experience that they have. And then they, when they get to the text, it's like all of a sudden they've lost their metabolism speaking Mm -hmm. and all of our, most of our energy needs to go there. We cannot, we can't, you know, scold teenagers and adults for not loving the scriptures when we talk about it like we don't love the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring a ton of energy, energy to the text. Can you talk a little bit of like what you do to bring energy to the text? 
Uh, well, I spend a lot of time trying to understand what original language is actually saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a word that in the Greek or the Hebrew can, can, I can make the text come alive? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's important. I also think it's important to talk about it in narrative as opposed to uh, just, you know, I'm just going to read it. No, I want a story. I, yeah, I want to tell a story. Uh, and the other thing, too, that I think we need to remember is we are we are speaking to a postmodern, post-Christian, the most biblically illiterate generation that's ever been on the planet. And so consequently, and I and I have I know we were going to we're going to talk about this in just a second as well. I think too many times we assume that people are operating as if the scriptures have authority in their life. I have to assume they don't because more times than not to a teenager, the the Bible doesn't matter to them. Mm -hmm. So part of my role, I think, is to make the Bible come alive. And so the more energy, the more I can, you know, here's what this word means. And, 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 you know, paint this unbelievable word picture with that or the background of what Jesus was doing, why the religious leaders hated what he had to say. All of that makes people go, man, this is interesting. You read the Proverbs and you understand Solomon and all of the wisdom there. It's so rich. Mm -hmm. So once I do that, then I go, okay, what are the illustrations that I can, I can put into place? And then I work on my transitions because I want them to be seamless. I want to make sure that my transitions are seamless. And then the last thing is when I'm speaking to teenagers, especially is I think AD, I think ADD, ADHD, because their attention span is so short. It is, Hey, there's a girl, there's the Bible, there's Stuart talking squirrel. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just so minute that I really try to make a transition like like every minute I'm changing a direction and I'm doing it with my voice inflection. I'm doing it with a picture on a screen. I'm doing it with a visual just to make sure they stay engaged. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the process I go through. It's, it, you know, it, it's a bit detailed, but I've, I've, but it's working for me because of the fact that I'm getting older Students are getting more and more attention deficit challenged. So the, I think the more we have to really dive in and, and think really, really critically about how we're setting up talks. Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about, you know, whenever you're maybe you're at a camp or a conference or something and communicating like maybe three or four messages within a two or three day <coughs> time. Like what are what are some things that you've learned that have helped you be able to communicate, you know, maybe four different messages to the same audience in a short amount of time? Well, I think the most important thing is that more times than not today, student pastors are building their ministries around small groups and discussion. And for every communicator, they need to hear this. That changes the game for what you say and how you say it. Because my job is not to land the plane when I speak. If there is small groups involved, my job is to level the plane out and then hand the controls over to the small group leader. And so consequently, that means I don't need to solve every equation. I don't need to, I need to leave some things unsaid. 
I think part of my role is to throw the proverbial dookie up in the fan and let the small group leaders begin to sort that out in small group. Because the worst thing that I could do is to solve, you know, answer every question and then go to small group and discuss how Stuart answered every question. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing. The other thing too is less is more. We have, that is to me the biggest challenge in communicating is to say more by saying less. If you've said what you need to say, shut up. You know what I'm saying? And and unfortunately, we think, well, I have a platform. I have a microphone. I say this all the time. You want to keep an idiot busy, give them a microphone. And if you don't think that's true, take your teenagers into a room where there's a live microphone and just give them the microphone and watch what happens. <coughs> they will start making noises. They'll start acting as if they're a rock star. They'll start doing a comedy routine. And if we're not careful as communicators as it relates to having multiple times to speak to the same audience, we can, we think, well, I've got the, I've got the platform and it is a platform. It's not a stage. And there's a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Explain, like explain the difference between a stage and a platform. A, a stage is look at me. Mm-hmm. A platform is, this is, this is why we're here. Gotcha. A, st- a stage is it's, it's about my gifts. Mm-hmm. A platform is, you know, it's, it's my, it's, it's my job to help instruct and compel you towards something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep, definitely. So what, what have you found to been like, be some of your key practices for communication? First and foremost, and it's the most difficult thing is you've got to discover your own voice especially for young communicators. I can remember hearing Tony Evans when I just started following Jesus and he yelled a lot. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to yell at everybody. And that went over like a pregnant pole vaulter. It was like... <laughs> <clears throat> and then I do have this, you know, spiritual gift of smart aleck. And, and so I thought, okay, I'll just be captain comedy on stage. And that didn't go over well at all either because kids would walk up to me and go, and I would think, Oh, this is, you know, they're going to give me, they were going to, that fart joke was really, really funny. You know, I, I, I really want there to be more to what I'm talking about than just to make people laugh, mm-hmm. but discovering who I am, I have what people have told me that my, like the way that I'm wired and best gifted is that I get people laughing so that I can punch them in the gut. And then they start laughing again, and then I punch them in the nose. And the reason why my humor is important is because if that, if I don't have a if I don't use humor, I can I can come off like a jerk. And so me becoming comfortable in that was really really hard because I you know I would listen to other people and think well that's you know that's who I really want to 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 speak like. Mm-hmm. Another thing I think is important, um, your communication is an expression of your being, but it doesn't define you. Like, I think way too many of us get on stage and when we walk off, if there's not, we're, we're affirmation junkies. And it, this is an expression of who I am. It doesn't define who I am. So mm-hmm. it's something that I do. It's not who I am. That's, that is huge. So that, that is a best practice that you're constantly going. 
you know, this is an expression of who I am. It's this does not define me. Another thing that I think is really important to remember is that God is not an argument. Like I, I'm, I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm trying to help people come to life. And so consequently, he doesn't need me to defend him. He's, he's, you know, infinite. So why in the world would I try to defend him? I think that's a big deal. And then also understand, we alluded to this in just a second, uh, or just a few minutes ago, understanding your gift set. Um, and this is, this is maybe a bit controversial, but there are some crowds and some events that I don't want to be really, really good for because it's not how I'm wired. <laughs> and I've learned now that I'm really, really old, I'm the OG, um, that there's, because I know how, <clears throat> because how I know how, what events and why, what purpose that they exist for, there are some things that I need, need to say no to <laughs> because I'm either going to have to change who I really, really am to serve them best or my gift set isn't best for them. <laughs> I think that's a big deal. Um, and again, bring as much energy as you can to the text, as much to the text as you do your stories and illustrations. That's, those are, those are, those are best practices for me. I'm constantly thinking that way. What have you done to improve your communication skills? Oh, well, uh, one thing that people that know me best know that happened, there was a period in my life from 1998 to 2005. Um, we've been a part of North Point Community Church here in Atlanta since it actually moved into a building. And I was the primary communicator to high school students from 1998 to 2005. And Andy Stanley, who I think may be the best communicator I've ever heard, was speaking on Sundays. And Louis Giglio, who's a close second, was speaking on Tuesdays. We had a college Bible study. And I'm stuck on Sunday nights between the two. And it was the most painful. I didn't take it well at times because there was a constant critique of how you communicate, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me. The best thing that ever happened to me because uh, I think it's Ken Blanchard that said that feedback is the breakfast of champions. And it helped me get better at the things that matter. And it also helped me discover my voice and, and, get, and, and be comfortable with my voice. Uh, another thing that I would say, and this this is probably out of left field, I don't watch preachers. I don't watch community. I watch comedians. And the reason why I watch comedians is because they are the master storytellers. I think Chris Rock said that comedians are the last bastion of hope for people who actually tell the truth. Wow. And so I watch I watch comedians because they have this capacity they're the master storytellers. They can t take a very uncomfortable topic and make it applicable, compelling, or something we can receive. I watch how they do transitions. I watch how they set up a story. Uh, so I watch comedians. I read um, at least one book a week. Uh, I, I want to deepen my well. I want to be able to draw from something that's deeper from th than the kiddie pool. Mm -hmm. So I read a ton. Uh, I've, I've learned to love myself 
that's a big deal because I don't want to be an affirmation junkie. Uh, one of the things that I've started doing over the last two years, especially if I'm asked to give some sort of public response time at a student event, is when I'm done and I walk off stage, I leave. Just because I don't want to feel this tug to walk up to somebody and them like, did I do okay? And if one kid stands or thousands stand, it's not my deal anyway. I don't have the ability to change anybody's life. I would take Calvinism to a whole nother level. I would only die for my wife and children. You want to talk about predestination. If I was Jesus, that would only be the people that get in. And so consequently, I, <laughs> there, there's this thing. Y'all are getting, ladies and gentlemen, they're giggling, looking at me while I'm talking. About that. <laughs> um, there's this thing where we think that if, if there's not results, then you're not effective. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is the only agent of change. And I want to lean into that. And then the last thing is speak. I think too many young communicators go, well, I'll start speaking when I get invited to speak at some big event. One of the best things that I've ever done, I actually started communicating being invited to speak at FCAs and public schools early in the morning. And there were sometimes there'd be five kids. Well, I would prepare and I would speak to those five kids like I was standing in a stadium. Uh, I, I think that's such an important thing that you, it's a craft that you have to, you have to practice it to get better. Mm-hmm. How do you go about finding good illustrations? Uh, to borrow from Rob Bell, everything is spiritual. I think too many times we look at life as if there's my spiritual life and then there's real life. Everything is spiritual. And so I've disciplined myself to watch movies and TV shows and, you know, like personal encounters and everyday things. And I'm constantly thinking everything is spiritual. So that there's a lesson in that somewhere. And so I write a ton of that stuff down. Uh, For example, I spoke in Auburn, Alabama last weekend, and this was hysterical. There was a there's a cab company there whose phone phone number is four, four, four. Four 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 four, and their their uh, their slogan is when you when you find yourself on all fours, call all fours. I, I'm like I, I can use that. Uh, yes, day before yesterday, I was flying home from Los Angeles, and Cato Kalin, who was involved in the O.J. Simpson trial, he mm-hmm. lived behind O.J. Simpson's house, was at our gate, and I watched him. There's an illustration there. Because I've like I watched this guy the entire time, so that kind of stuff I read. I mean, I am religious about reading, and then probably the best thing that's happened to me as a communicator is I am the parent of a 22 year old son, a 20 year old daughter, and a 17 year old daughter. I live in teenage illustrations all the time. Uh, in fact, I've had a ton of people tell me that I've become a better communicator the older our kids have gotten. And I think there's a reason for that. You know, one of the one of the most difficult things that I find when communicating is navigating trans, like transitions and stuff. So what what have been, you know, a couple of tips that you've learned to help, you know, make your message seem more fluid? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think I think that begins with how you frame a talk. Transitions don't feel seamless when you have you don't have a fluid framework. Mm-hmm. So I would say first and foremost, I would I would suggest to any communicator, 
if you're struggling with your transitions, look at your, like your overall framework of how you frame a talk. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the other thing too, that contributes to that is when you're speaking from an instructional perspective versus an informative perspective. If you're, if you're trying to instruct, then you can be much more narrative in how you speak. If you're trying to inform, that is the worst because your, your transitions are going to feel like very abrupt. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell guys and girls that you want to think about an exit ramp and not a right at a light. That's how you need to think about transitions. You're, you're taking an exit ramp versus a, a hard right at a light. And so making sure that you're being instructive and speaking in your own voice allows you to be much more narrative. And when you're narrative, you you can take an exit ramp. When you're being informative, it's like, okay, I've gotten, I've informed you about this. So we're going to go that way. And that is, that's where it's really, really awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that I like to do and I call this the eight mile rabbit principle. If you've ever seen the movie eight mile with Eminem. Uh, oh my he, gosh. Are you, are you guys, are you guys Eminem fans? Oh, I am. I, he's, a, he's not a sinner. I am. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think Eminem is a genius. He is a genius. One of the things that I love about that movie, and I'm assuming this is a true part of his story is that, uh, and Todd, you know, this because you saw the movie. Caleb, you don't because you love Jesus. The the um, the interesting part to me about that about him winning the rap battle was that he went ahead and addressed their objections. Yes, he went ahead and he rapped about what they thought about him, and so he stole their thunder, and that's why he winds up winning the rap battle at the end. I think one of the best ways to make a transition is to address the objection that a kid or an adult is going to have about the thing that I just said, Mm -hmm. because what that does is it allows me to go to the next thing by addressing what it is that you're thinking. One of the most important things that you can do as a communicator um, is to put yourself in the seat of the listener. How are they going to receive this? What are the trouble spots? And generally speaking, if I'm thinking, what is the universal tension? How does the text contribute to the tension or solve it? And where do I want them to go? If that's my framework, here's the things that I think they're going to object about. These are the places that are trouble spots. Sorry, folks. Todd's been smoking. Um, and <laughs> <It's> Rough. <laughs> um, <laughs> can someone get him an iron lung while we're doing this? Oh. And, 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 and then I'm able to, to take easy transitions into what it is that I want to talk about next. What do you think most communicators underestimate whenever they're speaking? Such a good question. Uh, People, when it comes to communication, people hate effort. Mm. Yeah. Especially students. (laughs) Especially Love, true love, especially students, they can tell when you're trying too hard. However, they also know when you're passionate about something. And I think passion, there's a big difference between effort and passion. 
But I think passion is a bit, it's, it's underestimated because your passion for people, your passion for Jesus, your passion for your subject matter can solve a ton of miscues or, you know, or, you know, not saying something that you had planned to say. Uh, your, your passion can also allow you to not take yourself seriously. Like me, for example, just saying what I said, you know, the, the mix up in what I was trying to say, when you can actually mess with yourself on stage, it endears you to people. I think that's underestimated. Uh, I think humor is underestimated. Humor, humor is an incredible equalizer. And there is certainly a very large camp that thinks that humor is unspiritual. And I just disagree. I, I think I think we all need to laugh more. I think Solomon said it was really good medicine. And if we're trying to help people, I think that is a huge deal. Uh, your body language is underestimated. Pacing communicates effort. And so one of the things that I coach, um, I'm in the middle of coaching three guys and girls right now in communication. And I coach, I, one of the things I make a big deal is you need to anchor yourself to the center of the stage. Quit pacing. And a lot of times we pace because we've seen people we respect that speak pace. Well, pacing equals effort. Instead of you pacing, anchor yourself and use your body language and your eye contact and your hand motions to, to work the room as opposed to doing this. So, you know, or moving back and forth. Uh, I think that's a big deal. And then the last thing that's underestimated is if you've made your point, stop talking. Just hush. <laughs> there is power in silence. I, in fact, just a few seconds ago, I made a point and I paused because that silence makes a point sometimes. I think we underestimate silence. What have you found to be some keys when communicating specifically to students? Uh, less is more. Uh, it, as, as close as I can, I want to keep it around 30 minutes, if not less. Being myself is huge. Um, I'm not, I can't be 25 years old. I can be me. I am a dad of three almost, you know, fully grown young adults. Uh, in fact, I spent a lot, of, I've spent the last several years telling kids, you know, just think of me as your big brother or your uncle, because that I can't be 25. I, I don't need to wear skinny jeans. Um, I, would, I would look like a hippo in pantyhose. That would just not be a good idea. Let's be clear. Any, Nobody needs to wear skinny jeans. Yeah, you're exactly right. These worship leaders are really wearing denim yoga pants. That's what <laughs> um, and then another thing, too, is what I like to call the white horse syndrome. I'm With, with teenagers especially, I think, I think we forget that there are student pastors and even more importantly, adults who volunteer their very precious time to invest their lives in the lives of teenagers. And if I'm invited to communicate somewhere, I think a lot of guys and girls think, well, I'm there to ride in on my white horse and save the day. Mm. That's not true. I am there to help that student pastor or those small group leaders help their teenagers take one more step toward pursuing Jesus. <laughs> that changes the game when you speak to teenagers. That and that idea we talked about earlier of don't land the plane, turn the controls over to the small group leader.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I was I was at Big Stuff um, this past year, which you spoke at, and I just thought you did a phenomenal job of. I've, I think it was like the salvation message of talking about God as Father, and you giving the small group leaders and the student pastors the chance to lead them into mm. salvation instead of what you were saying, you know, kind of making it all about me, but leveraging the relationship of the right. pastors and the small group leaders. And some of that, to be honest, we like we're fighting against a religious system that has really championed, you know, a guy or a girl who speaks is only effective if they can get kids to respond to Jesus. It's like a notch in your gun. And that's just so silly because there's not one single guy or girl communicator that has died on the cross and even more importantly, risen from the dead. None of us have done it. It's, it's the, it's the work of God. So my responsibility, number one is to, is to, speak the truth. And secondly, is to understand that those leaders are the ones investing in students. I go home. Those leaders and student pastor, they spend, you know, their time with this kid. So it should be their privilege. What do you do to make your messages applicable in everyday life? Well, I, anyone that's listening, I would encourage you to think about the, the reason why you're speaking. If it isn't applicable, then why in the world are you speaking? that's just silly to me, you know, that we would think that I don't think that the scriptures are for us to just be informed. I think God wanted us to know what his heart is like and to respond accordingly. So if it isn't an applicable number one, then why in the world are you talking? I think another thing too, is that experience helps me think through because I, I mean, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm on a stage just so people can see me and hear me better. Mm-hmm. I'm just like everybody else sitting in the seats. So I've got to think um, like a truth that can't be experienced probably isn't truth. Mm. So I, I need to think that way for it to be applicable. And I've, and then the other thing I would say is don't overthink relevance. A, a cold bottle of water is unbelievably, unbelievably relevant to a dude that's dying of thirst. But a cold bottle of water isn't sexy, but it's relevant. And so I think too many times we think applicable means it has to be sexy. It has to be, you know, this is the coolest, hippest, newest idea. That's so dope, all that kind of stuff. And the reality is whatever it is that people need the most is the thing that's most applicable and the most um, relevant to them. I do think, I do think this is important to revisit that we have to remember and wrestle with. I think this generation's attitude toward the Bible is in some regards a result of how we've communicated truth. And that stings. But part of the reason why they kind of keep it at arm's length is because of the way we presented it to them. If I'm of the opinion that if we make the scriptures more applicable, students are going to be much more apt to hold it in high authority in their life. Mm-hmm. If someone's looking to, you know, improve their communications. Am I talking too much? No. Okay. All right. Y'all, y'all just, y'all are staring at me like. We're just in awe from all your wisdom. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I know what well, I'm doing. staring at the naked, the, the, the naked like painting thing behind you. It's a worshiper, dude. Chill. <laughs> so everybody, so everybody, it's, it's, li- everybody yeah. listening, there's like this awkward painting behind him. 
and he claims it's a he claims it's a worshiper, but it kind of looks like like a naked person standing there. It's it weird. does look like uh, if you've ever seen the movie Cocoon, that's what it looks like. It's like a naked <laughs> a, a naked ghost. That was actually a wedding gift from a, a a a very dear couple. I officiated their wedding, and their mom, the the bride's mom, painted that for me. So yeah, so, thanks for yeah. making fun of it, Todd. Yeah. It's pretty. I'm, I'm not I'll, saying I'll it's post a picture of it when we when we put this on on <laughs> online. Um, what what would be one to two things people can do immediately to improve their communication skills? Say more by saying less. You have to learn that discipline as fast as you can. Most of our talks are really, most of our talks are really a series of talks. Mm-hmm. I will never forget this as long as I live. The, another thing I would say is you've got to discover and develop your own voice. When our son was really really little, we were flipping through the channels and we came on this came upon this TV evangelist and I stopped because. TV evangelist to me is kind of like comedy. It's like Comedy Central I, because it just makes me laugh. And so we're watching this guy just, you know, snort and spit and preach. And our son, who was probably six or seven at the time, he looks at me and he says, Dad, do you think that guy talks like that in real life? And I went, wow. That is until. The faster you discover your voice, I'm of the opinion that who you are off stage gives you so much authority on stage. So how I'm interacting with you guys, I hope and pray that when I stand on stage, you feel like, well, you're the same dude that I was just hanging out with and talking about communicating. Um, That's so important because if you're like this I cannot tell you how many communicators I've met are so much fun and they're hysterical and they see life in a cool, you know, certain way. And then they get on stage and it's like, suddenly they've put on this air and, you know, I'm going to be like Louis Giglio and talk about planets and, you know, or whatever. Uh, That's just not you. By the way, by the way, the planet, the planet reference, that sermon (laughs) is probably one of the greatest sermons I've ever seen in my life. It is an incredible sermon. But most of us don't know that much astronomy. So, and neither did. Let's be honest. Does Louie actually know that much about astronomy? I, you know what? I asked Shelly that question one time, and she just started laughing at me. Um, I'm just wondering. Little, yeah. Last thing I would say is you have to work your craft. Mm-hmm. Work at it. It's, it's a skill. And too many times I think what we do is we go, well, I'm just going to depend. I, I hear this all the time. I'm just going to depend on the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think that's an excuse to be lazy. Yeah. That's a, that's such a, it's, it's a, it's a cop out. If that's really the way you feel, then, then just get up on, just get up on stage, read the Bible and then say, let's pray and demand that God move. Mm-hmm. Just do that. But it's, you know, depending on the Holy Spirit is a cop out. Yeah. I, now, you're not hearing me say that I, I don't depend on the Holy <laughs> Spirit. I'm talking about the, your preparation. Mm-hmm. So one question that we always love to conclude our interviews with is, what are you learning right now? So Stuart, what are you learning right now? I'm learning that I've talked way too much on this podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that, that has really been hitting me hard of late is this idea that Jesus came to show us what God was like. The people that killed him were the ones who were really... Uh, really agitated that he came to give us life. 
that he came to give us freedom. The, I mean, the religious leaders, that's the reason why they had him killed is that it was so anti-religion. And then you start reading the acts of the apostles and the letters that we that were written to the first century church. And there was a constant fight for freedom. There was always this pull back toward rules mm. and they had to fight for relationships. And I, what I am learning is that that, first of all, that fight continues. We're always, we're, un, I think we're uncomfortable with freedom and we're always going to have to fight for life. That's one thing that's been huge to me. Another thing, as a white person, I I believe with all my heart that the racial tension in our country is, is a, a responsibility of white America to speak up and say that racism, white supremacy, bigotry is wrong. It is blatant sin that our country was started by taking land that did not belong to us and built on the backs of slaves. Mm -hmm. And I'm praying and hoping that we reach a place where our country would nationally repent of that. Uh, because I have too many friends that have different color skin than I do. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm nauseated at my own silence. And I, I just, I'm just not going to be quiet about that anymore. Uh, I'm, I've read, I'm reading this book right now. In fact, my good friend, Tasha Morrison, who has a ministry called Be the Bridge. And now we're talking about that, this, this book this week. It's called The Warmth of Other Sons. And it is the story of the great migration of African Americans mm. from the South to the North where 6 million African-Americans left the South and by the 1970s, or I'm sorry, the 1920s, the reason why places like New York and Chicago and other places have ghettos is because of the African-American migration because they just, the Jim Crow laws and all of that, we've been, we've been quiet too long. I, I just, I am learning that that is part of my responsibility and I, I'm just, I'm not going to stay quiet about it anymore. Sorry, I went. It's not. It's not a political issue. It's a. It's a deeply it's a spiritual, spiritual issue. issue. Yeah. Yeah, and we've we've covered that on our podcast several, several times. times. So. We actually this week that was the episode from from uh, this past week. Well, whenever this episode airs, it will have been several weeks before. But. Is that y'all's way of saying shut up? Don't talk about that. We've already covered it. <laughs> no, that, no, that's, we love that's that. our way of telling you we're comfortable with talking yeah, about we're, it. Yeah, we're comfortable with that. Good. Well, I wasn't really caring if you were comfortable, comfortable or not. You asked me what I was learning. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, you're drinking a, a water bottle right now. We've already discovered that's relevant but not sexy. Yes, to a man who's starving. I mean, uh, dying of thirst. But it's not very cold. It's lukewarm. So it's not very relevant. I'm going to spit it out of my mouth. Theological application. I just went revel. I just went revelation on you, homies. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great a book of the Bible that I do not like talking about. Revelation. Oh, well, Stuart. If people want to continue to learn from you, you know how can they connect with you? 
uh, they can email me at IamStewartAtMe.com, the most narcissistic email address in the history of the internet, <laughs> but I'll never forget it. Uh, and then on Twitter, I am Stuart Hall at I am Stuart Hall and, uh, Instagram is the same. I am Stuart Hall. So that's the best way. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Stuart. Dude, I, or dudes, I enjoyed it. Thank you. I think one of the really important things to think about when you're talking about communicating in general is, you know, he had a lot of great things he was saying about, um, how to be engaging and how to, how to really be able to have a, have a conversation. But one of the things I found really interesting is his comment he said about comedians. And so he said in there that comedians, um, he had a quote in there talking about how comedians are the last bastion of actual uh, storytelling greats and people who truly understand storytellers, uh, st- storytelling methods and, and that. And so what I thought of when I heard that is, we need to be pulling from everything and anything that we can to be able to supplement and to be able to help people to enter into the, whatever conversation we're having when we're communicating. And so nothing is off limits in terms of being able to learn and to grow as a communicator and as a person who is able to communicate truth to what, whoever your audience is. Todd, who's your favorite comedian to listen to right now? Right now, it's Tim Hawkins. Dude has me crying. If I'm going to not be a Christian, if I'm going to be like a sinner and I'm going to go to hell, it is Kevin Hart every day. Kevin Hart every day. I'll tell you what. One guy I need to check out, Nate Bargatze. Who, who is that? Check him out. I've heard that name. He's a great comedian. Check him out. He'll be in the show notes. Hashtag Google. Next week, we are going to be talking with Andrew Sale. And Andrew is a graphic designer and is also the one of the co-hosts of the podcast master of one shout out master of one so next week we'll be talking with andrew and learning from him we're so excited to be doing that and the best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast also leave us a rating and write a review we love our reviews we love you do it yep and if you want to check out the Together Conference, hit up uh, hit us up on social media and find the link there or go to citizensakron.com. Until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all. Deuces.